Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Joe. We're recording today's episode in the afternoon of Friday, the 4th of December. And obviously, we had the news earlier this week confirmed that Arcadia has gone into administration. And then that was followed swiftly afterwards by Debenhams finally acknowledging that the they kind of got into the, the end game of their liquidation. So stock will be liquidated and, and all the stores are likely to be closed by the end of January. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the implications for supply chain um, for those stores. And then I think the other things that we've, we've picked up in this um, in this week is an interesting OECD report on the, the state of um, economies in 2021 and, and beyond. Um, and we also thought it would be quite useful just to, to give a few pointers in the direction of some insolvency updates from around the world, because obviously people have risks all over the world and, and to keep up with actually what's going on in each of the jurisdictions is, is quite tricky. So Nick has been on the case to, to find some more information on that. So Nick, where should we, where should we start? Well, well, let's start with the OECD uh, report. Um, and they have looked at the prevailing um, forecasts for GDP growth, or should I say non-growth, um, from Q4 2019, i.e. pre-pandemic, yeah. to Q4 2021. And mm. they rather archly commented that it was interesting that um, the UK had somehow managed to spend uh, more money on propping up the economy um, and combating the virus uh, than any other country than Canada, but mysteriously have got the second worst performance over that time period, i.e. through to the end of 2021, um, of any developed economy, any, any major economy, with the exception of, Ar- of Argentina. And, and if, if the only people below it, below you in the economic table are Argentina, then you and I've got a problem. Yeah, it's not a great, um, not a great start to the so, week. Basically, they pointed out that um, the UK economy looks like being 6.4% below pre-pandemic at the end of uh, Q4 2021, and Argentina will be 7.9% down. But if you look up the table, that puts us below Mexico, South Africa, Italy, uh, Canada, having spent more than us on uh, trying to rescue the economy, is um, going to be down by 2% as against our 6.4%. The US will be very marginally point something of a percent up. Um, And the overall world figure looks like about 1% up over that that time. So there is this fabulous quote, and and I don't apologise for sharing it um, in all its glorious bitchiness um, from the chief economist uh, at the OECD, um, a a lady actually who rejoices in the name of Laurence, but never mind, we're not going to gender here. And um, she noted that, um, uh, that the UK had spent more than most others in supporting households and companies um, but that such generosity was not generally associated with better outcomes internationally. And she went on, and this is the really nasty bit, a striking feature of the outlook is the absence of correlation between the extent of fiscal support and the resulting economic performance, adding, quotes, 
not all measures have been used wisely. And I'm afraid you can't really argue with that um, when you look at the when you look at the raw numbers. Um, so that's I think as well, I mean, you can see, I think on the table, we see China has got, I think, a 9.7 growth in China. And I think we all mm. maybe have some skepticism about the numbers coming out of the China, Chinese economy. Yep. But, <laughs> but, the other, but, but the other numbers in there are, you know, respectable, you know, credible numbers, yes. aren't they? So I don't think it's being completely skewed by, um, <clears throat> by perhaps people whose, whose statistics maybe um, leave a little bit to be desired. So, yeah, it's, so, it's so that's worrying. A, that's a, that is a worrying um uh, thing um, uh, aspect. Um, what prompted our second point? Um, I wanted to talk about. Um, it's one of my soapbox top soapbox topics, in the sense that, in my career as an insolvency practitioner over twenty years, apart from uh, crass and inept management, the most uh, common feature of a company failure was an inability to manage growth an inability to to put together sufficient res, uh, resource and funding mm-hmm. to survive a rapid growth in 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 sales uh, that's a very simplistic um look at what goes wrong in a company but uh there's some figures came out reported by insol europe um about spain and they said that um a survey by the bank of spain said that a fifth of companies in spain were at risk of insolvency mm. Uh, and that 5% of them were zombies that had no future, uh, whatever happened. And interestingly, that these um, 20% of likely failures owed 5% of all the company debt in in Spain and employed 5% of the workforce. Now, that's Spain. Um, but I, I think it's highly unlikely that the position in terms of those sorts of statistics in Spain are very different to what we have here in the mm. UK. I, I even suspect it might be worse here for a number of reasons that are too technical for this particular uh, channel. But it sort of illustrates the, the issues. And I wanted to take that thought across to the UK situation. And if the UK is in that sort of profile, it illustrates the potential issues with delivering here in the UK the sort of growth being predicted by the OBR for the second half of 2021. Mm. And I suppose the question I ask, and I know I, I do always ask questions in these podcasts, is are UK PLC and UK Limited strong enough to deliver that growth? And it's, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I think we know that business investment, you know, we, and we've said this many times, a broken record, but business investment obviously is the, the thing that fuels mm. um, growth and therefore fuel, fuels the economy. And we know that even before um, the pandemic, investment in, in, in business investment was actually at all-time lows because of the uncertainty of Brexit and, and so on. Now, this is a question that we, I think we kind of toyed with and didn't really have the numbers. And even now we've only got anecdotal figures for this. But the, that enormous amount of C-bills and bounce-back loans that have been um, yeah. flowing out of banks, understanding how much of that has been used to survive, and so it's being spent, and how much has been used because it was a good way of getting a cheap loan now for a rainy day. And kind of anecdotally, I'm hearing that maybe about 50% of the, the money that's been taken has not been spent. And so, you know, potentially that it could be that there is a there is a pot for growth. But I wonder whether the profile is, is wrong. You know, the, are the people that have taken the money for a rainy day, are they necessarily the same people who would then risk 
investing for growth? I mean, I, I think there's lots of questions. Well, I think there's that psychology. Um, there's also the point that um, what, whatever has been going on with C-bills and bounce-back loans, the answer is that um, in a lot of sectors, almost all sectors, there, have been, there has been serious damage to the fabric mm. of businesses. And I'm not talking about the yeah, trading. That's, it, that's obvious. Uh, you know, and the trading is the trading. And if they've, you know, if businesses have incurred large losses, that flows through to the balance sheet. But what I'm talking about is, again, we've touched on it before, is these sorts of um, seismic changes, either in trading patterns or in entire business models, like in retail, mm. what you get is uh, damage to balance sheets because values aren't values anymore. Yeah. You know, what a, a retail property was worth in 2019 is not what it is worth now because it's rent income driven. stream yep. driven. Um, and, yeah. and also there are lots of other things in companies' balance sheets that are dependent on certain levels of trading and certain levels of profitability to support them. So, um, yes, um, you know, there will be investment. Of course there will be. And goodness knows it'll have to improve. Um, but uh, the question I'm asking is just how badly damaged are some of the businesses that mm. we need for the growth in 2021? And I guess we'll find out. Yeah, We'll find out in two ways. First of all, through the growth itself. And secondly, through the insolvency. Numbers. The insolvency is absolutely, and I, I, I mean, I again, as things stand, those those insolvency um, measures to prevent winding up petitions and statutory demands due to end at the end of December. The clue, I think, in that wrongful trading um, yeah. extension up until the end of April. Yeah. You know, I've, to me, that seems like quite a big hint that that there will be something. You know, maybe there'll be like tweaks to because I guess there are lots of landlords who we'll are see. really trying to to do something to to get their their rent paid, and, and yeah. they've been an obvious casualty of um, of what's what's happened over the last yeah. eight we'll months. See. We'll see. Um, now, you referred to supply chain pain um, in the context of Arcadia, and we had the yeah. first, yeah. Um, first concrete casualty. example of supply chain damage. It's a slightly odd one. But uh, the day after Arcadia went down, um, its biggest uh, footwear concessionaire, a company called Lloyd uh, Shoe Company, uh, announced that it was preparing for administration. It was setting the wheels in motion for administration. Um, Although, interestingly, uh, if you look at the company watch system, this company only had a rating of 14 yeah. before the pandemic. So you do ask yourself why a company that's that fragile has so many of its eggs in such a fragile basket as Arcadia, but maybe it had no choice. So you know that, that's the first sign of there were many more casualties in that supply chain. And there was a big article in the Evening Standard this week talking about um, pain in the hospitality supply chain, endless examples, a real deep dive of all the suppliers. And the problem for the supply chain in hospitality is that things like restaurants and pubs have been opening and closing like, you know, up and down like yo-yos. And from a supplier's point of view, they don't know from one moment to the next what they're expected to do. And I suppose the ultimate example of that is who would be a brewer with what's going on with pubs? You know, and they, you know, it, anyway, let's not get into the money shy of the. And, and I think and, as well, you know, even if there's a market, and we know that there will be markets for these for these goods, but it's just how do you get? As you were saying about the kind of structural changes to a business, it's, and I think you know, I think we were seeing some examples in March, April, May time of, of people trying to kind of um, get directly into um, into consumers, but it's a very difficult thing 
it's a very difficult thing to do. And I guess, you know, it's particularly December. December is months 12 and 13, isn't it, for the hospitality trade? I know. And you look at, you know, I mean, my inbox, because I'm a foodie, my inbox is full of um, restaurants trying to sell me um, uh, the home delivery Mm. of of, of wonderful ingredients and uh, cooking instructions to recreate. I mean, I the Eaton had Eaton had um, uh, the, the the joy of, sh- of of sharing a meal that came from, not long ago from Le Gavroche. Oh wow! In fact, there was an FT article. I think they, they yeah. uh, I think there's some journalists who put their hands up to <laughs> to be on that that panel to, know, to sample the um, so, so the, the I, meal I think kits. But the bottom line, but it's not going to make as much money, is it? I mean, we we know that it's it's the, the alcohol, isn't it? I mean, in restaurants, yeah. typically prop up their their know, sales. So 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 I think my bottom line on this particular topic is um, really it's a matter of people knowing. You know, people who are listening to this, particularly on the supply chain side, it's knowing where your risks risks are, and it goes back to my old mantra, which I've worn out over the years: of you know, no business is an island. Mm. You know, so a problem somewhere in its ecosystem yeah. will cause it a problem, and 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 in turn, it'll cause elsewhere in in that yeah. in that ecosystem. And being able to understand, identify. You know, we nobody, none of us sadly have got crystal balls, but just just understanding where yeah. it, where there might be a problem coming up is. Yeah. is you know, if you're a supplier to a supplier of, of of Arcadia or Debenhams, did you know? Yeah. Were you aware of the risk? Were you reading that? Um, uh, uh, sav- savvy um, users of Company Watch, no doubt were. Yeah, indeed, I have great. Um, the last thing we wanted to uh, mention. Uh, was and you you touched on it in your introduction is this uh, issue that pretty much every major jurisdiction around the world has had to has been forced into changes to its insolvency law yes um, to help um, basically to prevent um, a, 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 a complete like a, another pandemic of insolvencies yeah. happening and uh, what um, I get reminded of from time to time is that there is a very good source of information on this. It's um, it's an updating summary of global insolvency law change by a law firm called Squire Patton Boggs, mm-hmm. and uh, they've just published an update on the 26th of November. So we will... We, we will Joe? share a link. Yeah, We will <laughs> share a link to that, um, and you can download the re- their latest report free, and it's a fantastic source of data about... Because you know, if you've got a risk um, somewhere obvious or somewhere obscure they can probably tell you whether or not um, something has changed in how you might um, it's collect also not understanding the deadlines, isn't it? It's understanding when measures are likely to be lifted um, yes. so that you can actually be in the queue if you need to be. Yeah, so, but as I say, it's a great source of information. It's not the only one, but it's, it, it's, it's a pretty good one. Great. Yeah, we'll, we'll share the link for that. Thank you very much. So I, I suppose that brings us to the end of um, today's episode. Thanks, as always, Nick, for your um, your insight and your your roundup of of the, the key issues. As always, I mean, I, I think we're there's cautious optimism here in terms of there might be a way out of this mm. um, pandemic. We look to to spring and you know good news of vaccines being approved and um, and start, starting to be rolled out. But goodness me, you know, those next three or four months, it's a long time, I think. Um, and there's still lots of lots of kind of potholes and, and dangers to navigate in the meantime. And I think we're by no means have seen the last of the retail um, fallout from 
from Arcadia and um, obviously Debenhams, which you knew about, but there will be more more to come. And, you know, traditionally we're, we're, we've been talking about how it's an unusual time of year for, for retailers to go to go bust. So, you know, look out January, February, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks so much again, Nick. Thanks to everybody for listening and until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.